Our family has a, sort of had a tradition. It's not an official Christmas tradition, but one that we've sort of fallen into off and on over the years. And you may share the same tradition in your family. And that is on Christmas morning, in our particular case, when we open gifts, you may get this gift, that gift, and the other, but there is the gift that you've been looking for and waiting for that hopefully you get. And you always go looking for the gift. And all the other gifts are sort of, you know, a build-up to the gift. That's the thing that you really asked for and you have wanted. And uh, every once in a while, if you don't get the gift, uh, you sort of, you know, wear that expression on your face that I didn't get the gift that I was looking for. But if you get the gift, then you're really excited about getting that gift that you had, had hoped for. Well, you know, the Lord gives us every day all kinds of blessings But the gift that he has given us is the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the gift, the present from God that he gives us. But what are we supposed to do with the gift? Do we just sort of sit around with it and enjoy it and enjoy him, but but just sort of leave it at that? He's given us the gift of a relationship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can turn around And give that gift to other people. In other words, God blesses us so that we can bless others. The Lord blesses us so that we can bless others. I'd like you to turn with me in the Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. And as you're turning there, allow me to give you the context of this passage of Scripture. This is the fourth letter that Paul has written to the Corinthian church. Now, we have in the Scriptures, the Bible, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, but he actually wrote four letters to the believers at Corinth. And the reason he wrote four letters to them, uh, two of which are not in the Scriptures, and they're sort of lost in antiquity, but Paul had all kinds of problems with the church at Corinth. Uh, I mean, you name it, and, and it was going on in that church. And Paul had started that church and, and got them going, and then he had moved on to plant other churches, and then they started having all kinds of problems and issues, so we had to write letter after letter to them to try to correct them and get them disciplined and back on where they were supposed to be. And they actually, some of the folks actually at one point turned against Paul, and this church uh, really hurt Paul in the way they rejected him, and some of them trashed him. And one of the things that they did with Paul is they looked at Paul, and they said, listen, you're suffering, and you're going through so many difficulties. We, we, we don't think you're being used of God. We don't think you're blessed of God, because if God was using you, and God was blessing you, you would not be suffering the way you're suffering. But because you are suffering the way you're suffering, and he was going, you know, being thrown in jail and rejected for the faith and beat up in the whole nine yards, you're suffering... They said as evidence that God is not blessing you and not using you. And Paul writes back rather to say this to them, that the suffering that I'm going through is an evidence. It is the way that God reveals His glory. Instead of being evidence that God's not blessing me and using me, what Paul says is what I'm going through, the suffering allows the glory of God to be demonstrated in my life and through my life. Let me say one aside as we prepare to move into this passage of Scripture. As I said earlier, this church, some of the leaders in it, some of the folks in it, had really hurt Paul. 
But what does Paul do when he writes to them and as he proceeds? He doesn't focus on them. He focuses on Jesus. And he doesn't say, I'm going to quit and walk away from it all because you guys have rejected me and, and beat me up. He says, I'm going to keep on serving the Lord. And the glory of God is going to be demonstrated through my life because of what I'm going through. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. Now, Paul is saying to the folks here, you guys need to repent of the dispositions and attitudes that you've had. And if you repent, you're going to demonstrate that repentance, not just by talking it, but by doing something. And what he's calling upon them to do in chapter 8 and chapter 9 is to receive an offering that he's going to come and receive and take that offering to the Christians that are in Jerusalem because they were suffering poverty and they were really getting rejected by their fellow uh, Jews because they had chosen to become Christians and followers of Christ. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which, is, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, God blesses us so that we can bless others. First of all, in Christmas, God is blessing us. Notice what Paul is saying here. He is talking about how God blesses us and works in us. Verse 10, he says, He, speaking of the Lord God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, God is able to bless. God is able to empower us to bless others. How is God able? Number one, God is able because He is there. The whole coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in His name Emmanuel, God is with us, God is there. So whatever we are going through in life, whatever we experience, wherever the journey of life takes us, God is able because God is there. He is present in our situation. He walks with us. He is there. He is active. He is meeting the need of the circumstances that we face. God is able, first of all, because God is there. Second, God is able because He is the Creator. He created this earth. He created everything that we see, we experience in this life. He created our bodies. But He has continued to create. He is creating today, and He will continue to create tomorrow. God is not just Creator in the past tense of the word. He is an ongoing Creator. He is creating today. Every day is an opportunity to see what God is creating, experience afresh what God is creating, and anticipate what He's going to create. So God is able to bless and empower because, number one, He's there. Number two, He's creator. Number three, God is able to bless because Jesus is alive. The resurrection says a whole lot of things, but one of the simple, most basic things that the resurrection says about Jesus, He is alive, He is well, and He is on the move. He is alive, He is well, and He is on the move. So how do we know that God can empower us? Because of the resurrection. How do we know that God blesses us to bless? Because of the resurrection. He's alive, He's well, and He is on the move. So God is able because, number one, He is there. God is able, number two, because He's creator. And God is able, number three, because He is 
the resurrection. He, Jesus has risen from the dead. Now notice verse 10. It says, God is able to supply seed to the sower, but he doesn't just say he supplies the seed. He says he multiplies it. Now, the scriptures love to use this language, this metaphor of seed. They're talking about planting seed and God making uh, a harvest come. And he uses this concept of God multiplies. In other words, if you and I take the seed that God places in us and we just throw it out there, he says that God, it's his job to take the seed and multiply it. Our job is to plant the seed. It's his job to multiply the seed. And he's promised to multiply the seed. But what is the seed? Number one is the message of, that he's given us, the message of the Word of God. As we share this message with other people, God takes the seed and God uses it and God multiplies it. It's fascinating to me to listen to what David was saying earlier. As missionaries, God has used them and God has used you all uh, over there supporting them to lead an Italian young man to Christ. He feels the call of God into ministry. They're going to look at planting a church. Can you imagine how the seed of the gospel in Milan is going to multiply through that Italian young man as he reaches other Italians for Christ and a new church is planted? That is just one example of how God multiplies the seed. The main thing that you and I got to remember is not our job to presuppose on the Lord how he's going to multiply the seed. That's his call, how he chooses to do it. Our job is just simply to put the seed out there and let God take it and God use it when, where, and how he chooses to use it. He says he's going to multiply the seed. So the first aspect of that multiplication of the seed is the message. Secondly, it's the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God places in our lives. Let God take that. Let God use that. Whatever your gift, whatever your talents, whatever your abilities... God will take it and use it as seed that he's placed in your life. Let him multiply that seed uh, however he wants to multiply that seed through you. Another aspect of the seed that he places in our lives is character. God shapes and molds character. I cannot stress enough the power of godly character to touch lives and impact lives and influence lives. That's part of the seed that God places in our lives, our character. And God will use your character in ways that you would never dream He would use your character. So let God take your character and use that. He says He supplies the seed. He multiplies the seed. And then notice what He says next. He says He gives bread for food. The metaphor of bread in the New Testament and Old Testament too speaks of how God sustains. It's the fuel to keep us going. What he's saying here is when you go out to serve him and just live your life to his honor and his glory, God is going to sustain you. God's going to feed you. God's going to keep you in the game. But how does the Lord do that? He does it with his word. The word is one of the primary bread, so to speak, that he gives us to feed us. Now, we got to go to the table and eat the bread. But if we will go to the table and eat the bread, if we will study this word of God, if we will take it into our lives, he says he will use it to feed us, to sustain us, to keep us going. Now, often when we look at this book, we get overwhelmed by it. 
and we draw back from it because we say, I just don't know how to understand it. I don't know how to apply it. It seems strange to me. It's a Middle Eastern book. I'm a Westerner. How can I understand this? It was written 2,000 plus years ago, on and on it goes. Let me give you two suggestions. Number one, get a good study Bible, give you good background information, etc. Uh, let me suggest two study Bibles to you. The Thompson's Chain Reference Bible is like the Cadillac of study Bibles. You can't get any better than that. Uh, the second thing is the English Standard Version Study Bible or ESV Study Bible is one of the best study Bibles I've ever encountered. Uh, I use it almost on a weekly basis in sermon prep. So, And you can access these easily. The ESV Study Bible or the Thompson's Chain Reference Study Bible. Those are two in particular I would mention to you that will help you give you background information, etc. Second, God gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us this book. If you and I will give the Holy Spirit time in prayer and the study of this word, he will make this book come alive to you. He will show you how it applies to life. The teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God. Now, here's the key. you got to treat this book, when you study it, like you're going to Ruth Crisp for dinner, not McDonald's. Okay? Now, I've never been to Ruth Crisp, but I've heard, because they got like $125 steaks and a $25 roll, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit out of my budget. But I've never heard anybody tell me they went to Ruth Crisp and ate their dinner in, in five minutes. When everybody I've ever talked that went there, they made an evening of it and enjoyed it. And if I'm paying that kind of money for food, I'm going to take making an evening of it and I'm going to enjoy it. Now, what do you do when you go to McDonald's? It's fast food. You get it quickly, you eat it quickly, and you go on your way. The Word of God is not fast food. God's not in the fast food business with us. He's in the business of serving us the best that He's got in His Word so that He can strengthen us to follow Him and to serve Him. So notice what He says next. He says, because of this you will have an increase in the harvest of righteousness. In other words, God is going to take your life and He's going to produce a harvest through your life. You will be effective for Him. Notice verse 11. He says you will be enriched in every way. In other words, every part of your life is going to overflow with His blessing. No place in your life will be exempt from the blessing of God. Jesus demonstrated that in His own life. In the place of darkness, in a satanic attack, you will be blessed in that area. In the place of your deepest and greatest needs, he said, you'll be blessed in that part of your life. In the place of the greatest hurts and struggles in our lives, he says, in every way and in every place, we will be blessed. So many times we think that there are aspects of our lives where we cannot know blessing, that are beyond the blessing of God. But rather, he says, in every way and in every place, you will be blessed. And the purpose of that blessing, notice the second part of that in verse 11, is to be generous in every way. Now, while no place in our lives is exempt from the blessing of God, no place in our lives is exempt from sharing that blessing. 
And folks, in the place in our lives that we have been hurt the deepest is also the place where God blesses the deepest and is also the place where we can bless others the greatest. Let me say that again. In the place in our lives where we hurt the deepest is the place that God is capable of blessing the deepest and it is also the place that we can be used of God and bless others the greatest. He says no place is exempt from his blessing and no place is exempt from us sharing the blessing that God has given us. Now, we talk a lot about blessing and being blessed. What is a blessing? A blessing is simply this. What God places and does in our lives that cannot be explained beyond him. In other words, a blessing from God is what God does in our lives that cannot be explained apart from God. There was a movie that came out of several years ago called Straight Out of Compton. Blessing is straight out of heaven. All right? Blessing is straight out of heaven. It is what only God can do, and it's what God reaches into our lives and does in only the way that He can do it. Now, how in the world do you discover the blessing of God? First of all, ask for God to guide you in discovering and identifying what He's doing in our lives. God, specifically, what are you doing in my life? Number two, blessing is discovered in forgiveness, in receiving the forgiveness of God and in giving the forgiveness of God. Third, blessing is discovered in strength from the Lord. God strengthening us. Fourth, blessing of God is discovered in discipline from the Lord. Man, we don't like that one. When God shows up in our lives and disciplines us. And finally, the blessing of God is discovered in divine interruptions. In divine interruptions. When God steps in and didn't check with our schedule and decides to do a work in us, among us, and around us. I want you to think about the Christmas story. The angel Gabriel interrupted Mary's day and gave her the message that she was going to bear a son who was going to be the son of God. Which changed the trajectory of her life changed every day of her life, divine interruption. An angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, your wife is pregnant. And you can imagine what his face probably looked like at that point. But it's from the Lord. And this is what God's going to do. And God interrupted Joseph's life. The angels showed up that night on the hillside outside of Bethlehem and interrupted the night of those shepherds out there on that hill, divine interruption that changed their lives. Jesus, as a baby, showed up in a manger and interrupted the animals that night who were invaded by him in their stable and changed things even for them. Divine interruption. Joseph and Mary, when they went to the innkeeper, interrupted his night that he thought was going to be a normal night and he had run out of all of the places that he could put people up and he had, the only thing he had left was the manger in the back and offered that to him. His night was interrupted. The star was a divine interruption to the wise men. The whole story of the Lord Jesus Christ's birth is one interruption after another interruption in people's lives. But you see, what was an interruption to them was the plan of God. And when God shows up in our lives and interrupts our lives, 
it is His plan. What looks like an interruption to us is God's plan moving in His way on His schedule. And what do we do to it? We can either have a meltdown and freak out, or we can adjust to the interruption. And when we adjust to the interruption, we get in line with the will of God in our life, in the work of God in our lives. So many times when we say, I don't understand what God's doing, and, and, and I don't understand where God is, and we're so upset with the Lord, it's because we haven't adjusted, and we've refused to adjust to what God is doing around us. We've refused to adjust to the interruption, because that's all we see it as, is as an, as an interruption, whereas God sees it as part of His plan for what He's doing in us and through us and around us. The paradox of the New Testament blessing is simply this, that God comes and God gives His blessing in times of poverty and in times of trial and some of the worst circumstances that we could imagine, that's when he shows up and he blesses. And in that blessing, he works in us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 11. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he moves on and says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, through which, through which us will provide thanksgiving to God. In other words, we give thanks to the Lord for the blessing that he has bestowed in us. But it's discovering those interruptions and understanding those interruptions as being part of God's work in us. I want to wrap up this message today by sharing with you an interruption we had in our family years ago and how God used that interruption and how I've seen the Lord do similar things in families' lives. Uh, when our son Jonathan uh, enrolled in school, kindergarten, uh, I thought it was just, you know, you just show up and you make stuff with Play-Doh and do crayon drawings and have fun. And that's, the, that's basically what it's all about. And I discovered the SOLs have changed kindergarten. And uh, he was bringing stuff home, and I was like, good Lord, what in the world are these kids doing? This is a whole lot more difficult than when I was going through school. And he was struggling with it, but I didn't pay that much attention to it. But when he got in first grade, he really began to have struggles troubles in school and so forth, and teacher comes to us and says, um, there's some problems here, and he's getting overwhelmed in school, and we want him to repeat the first grade, and we got a big interruption in our lives, because we had just planned on first grade, second grade, third grade, etc., and he graduated, and everything's going to be great, and then his uh, we went into second grade. Uh, a teacher comes to us and says, um, uh, there are problems here, and uh, we got to start doing this IEP thing, uh, which was just mounds of paperwork, et cetera, et cetera, and all these directions for how you're supposed to be educated, et cetera. And so we begin dealing with this on a daily basis. Uh, then we moved to Powhatan, Virginia, and uh, we took him to a doctor for some analysis and to Sylvan Learning Center and about everything we could grab a hold of to try to figure out what in the world was going on with him. And finally they said, we think he's dyslexic. 
and, uh, and that's the issue. And we had, I mean, homework sessions at our house at nighttime were anything but pleasant. Sometimes my wife would call me and say, I want to warn you before you get home. He's had a terrible day at school. He's in a horrible mood. You've got to be prepared for it, etc." Our dog became a therapy dog, and I am not joking about that. I mean, when things were going bad, we had a big black lab named Duke, and Duke got put right in the middle of everything. As one of the dog had any fur by the time evening was over with because the more upset Jonathan got, the more he rubbed the dog. and you know, Duke would just sort of sit there and then walk through the whole thing. Etc. Uh, and so we went through that year after year after year. And I remember when he was transitioning from being uh, in middle school to high school, we sat in a meeting with school counselors and uh, they looked at us and I looked at them and I said, listen, I said, my son wants to go to college. He's got his heart set on going to college. And I said, all his buddies are talking about going to college. But I said, he can't even read hardly a sentence. And the lady looked at me and she said, well, just pull some strings with the college. And I said, I thought, well, what good is that going to do? He's still not going to be able to perform at work when he gets in the classroom. And so we were like super frustrated And when he went off to, to high school. And the Lord began putting some stuff together in his life after he got to high school. But those were interruptions. And the dyslexia that he was struggling with was an interruption. And this is what we discovered. God has used and is using that interruption in his life. The first thing it did for us as a family is it put us in touch with other families whose children had learning disabilities. We just didn't hear it anymore because we were living it. We understood what it was for them to live. It may be different from us, but we begin to understand what it was like to go through that. To watch your child sit at nighttime and cry because he cannot get his work done and you almost feel helpless to know what you can do to try to help him out. When your greatest ally is your dog, uh, you know, and trying to get through that. And so that helped us understand the journey. It helped us to communicate to other parents. This is the journey we've been on and we're going to join you in the journey that you were on. In our son's case, he had to work 10 times harder to get what other kids could get just like that. But what we found out was it prepared him for the work that he's doing now. Because of all the concentration that he had to put into it, he learned a work ethic that he's been able to carry with him now into his late 20s that has opened doors for him. And so we saw God do that. And it was amazing to see how the Lord uh, worked through all of that. It created a humility within him and a sensitivity within him to the Lord and how God wanted to use his life that I don't know that he would have had had things been easier in that journey. And it created a sensitivity within him to God that I don't know what he would have had any other ways. We've seen God take that interruption in his life and use it in our family, and use it in his life. Now, the journey has not been easy. I can't stress that enough. The journey has not been easy. And we had some days when he was in middle school and high school that we were about to pull our hair out along with him. But we've seen God take the interruption and use it. And folks, what I want to say to you this morning is whatever the inter interruption is that you are working with. And one of the ways, we've again, we've seen God use this is my wife 
uh, is a para-pro, and the Lord has strategically placed her with working with children who are going through those kind of interruptions in their life. And we believe that God worked in us with Jonathan to prepare her to do what she's doing now. Uh, so just let the Lord take it and use it however He wants to in your life. But Christmas is about God interrupting our lives by sending His Son into our lives to understand that the interruptions that appear to us are God working out an eternal plan that we may not understand in the moment. And I have parents sometimes that come to me and say, my kid's got this going on, and I, my kid's got that got going on, and I don't understand what in the world is going on with them, and I'm about to pull my hair out. Let me say this to you as parents and grandparents. Only God knows what he's got in store for your child. And what appears to you to be strange and weird and is driving you nuts, God may very well take that and down the road, use that in ways that you would never have dreamed. So just hang in there with the Lord and let him take the interruption and use it in his glory. And he'll give you the strength, sometimes just minute by minute, to get through it. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning in Jesus' name, we just want to come to you, Lord, and just ask God that when we face these interruptions in our lives, and we face them, Lord, quite often, that, Lord, you will take them and you will use them, Father, to your glory. God, help us just to hang in there with you and to, Lord, help us see and understand that you're working a plan, but often we don't understand that plan. And you understand that we don't understand the plan because it makes no sense to us. But, God, wrong hole, you will do your thing. And you'll make it happen. And we thank you and we bless you for it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you need to decide to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you today to say, yes, Jesus, I want to love you, I want to serve you, I want to follow you, I want to walk with you, and I will do that. And if you just need to pray a simple prayer to the Lord during the invitation and say, God, you have interrupted my life. You didn't ask for my permission, but you have interrupted my life. But, Lord, you have got a plan even when I don't understand the plan, God, help me just to adjust to what you're doing and move with you in that. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.